Josh Alvarez. And I'm Liam O'Donnell. <laughs> and you're definitely listening to episode 179 of Cinepunks. Cinepunks. And today we are graced with the presence of our very special guest, Mr. Benny Horowitz. Thanks. 179. Congrats. That's a lot of episodes. It took us 10 years, so it's not yeah, really that impressive. That's, that's a long... <laughs> yeah, 179. Listen, a lot of... I think... I think COVID should prove to everyone uh, how hard the weekly format podcast is, or you know, mm. like even the semi-regular podcast. Yeah. By how yeah. many people started podcasting, and by like <laughs> September didn't have a podcast anymore. Oh yeah. You know, because once you get out of your own Rolodex, and you got to start doing some real work, and it's not you know the ro- the romantic side you know starts to chip away probably by episode 45 and then you're like oh wow i just got myself another commitment you know well and another we had, we had to figure this out over like multiple technologies too like right. we we didn't know anything about recording so like we had we've used like so many different kinds of equipment and then when i moved it was like how are we going to do this remotely and all this stuff yeah, right. and what's even crazier is the number of podcasts connected with us who during the pandemic actually stopped recording because they were only willing to record in person. So they ah, were just like, yeah. oh, we just won't do it. And I'm like, well, you know, there are technologies where you could record, and they just didn't want to do it, which, like, no disrespect to them. But I think it's so funny thinking about all these people who started podcasts, because I'm like, oh, half of ours just quit and never came back after the <laughs> pandemic. Yeah, that's true. I mean, that was even a struggle of mine. I, it took a lot of convincing my my engineer for going off track to to go remote because he didn't think it would be right, you know, and it is different. I mean, it's, it does take like a different, uh, I wouldn't say skill set, but like a different style of approach, you know, like, um, it's a lot easier not to talk over other people when you're looking at each other. And when there's like five people in a, in an internet channel and you, no one's anticipating that next move, you know, sometimes you're in a room and you can see someone just angling to talk. You know, yeah. you got to stop for a little while. You know, <laughs> I think the digit this doesn't allow that. So I think it's people have learned now after a couple of years to I think exercise a little patience before you start speaking. You know, <laughs> have you ever done it with like the Zoom, Benny? You ever done like the podcasting Zoom thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've done it all at this point. I mean, like going off track was was very in person in an actual recording studio for for years. You know. Um, but, you know, that led to, you know, another hurdle, which is literally just scheduling, yeah. you know, um, locking down a time with someone uh, random is a lot easier getting them on their computer for an hour than trying to get them wherever you record for an hour, yeah. too. So, I mean, it's opened up a lot of doors if you're just willing to do it. Um, but, yeah, I've I've had my part in, in all sorts of <laughs> podcast uh, recording channels at this point. No, I... I got to give big respect to my co-host on Cinema Smorgasbord, Doug Tilly, because he he lives kind of in, he lives in Canada, but he lives in a part of Canada where there aren't a lot of people for him to talk to in person. So he's always podcasted over the Internet mm. and he's really developed a style where he's just in charge. Like and I think yeah. for some people who listen 
who check out the show, they find his kind of radio-esque persona maybe a little too much. But it's actually, I think, a great form of hospitality because whatever the guest is, they don't have to sit there and be like, do I talk now? Do I? He's like, so, so-and-so, and then asks a very specific question to that person so yeah. they know, and then he lets them talk for a while, and then he'll switch gears to someone else. Yeah. So you never have to sit there and be like, oh, is it my turn? Like, should I talk yes. now? Like, yes. he guides it. And I've tried to adopt that sometimes, and I can't do it because I get too in my own head about what I want to talk about, and so I can't, like, come up with good questions sometimes. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's an exercise in patience, I know. But I do think, I just had this discussion with somebody this morning about how, you know, essentially anybody doing something, creating content online, you know, be it podcasts or YouTube or anything like that, where everybody's just in this, this uh, battle for, for people's attention. Like that's really the commodity mm -hmm. these days. And that's like people a lot more powerful and uh, with a lot wielding a lot more influence and money and power are, you know, trying to get this attention. And we're doing like little DIY things, trying to get people's attention. So at the very least, you can be not naive about that and know that, oh, to get somebody to listen to my podcast for 90 minutes, that's a heck of a commitment these days. Yes, you know what I mean? Yes. With all the content you could be consuming. So if you can get to the point in 40, you know, you should probably go ahead and do it. <laughs> yeah, it's a real it's a real thing. I got to say. I, well, this is something that we've tried to figure out and try to get our show a little shorter. And uh, I'm, I'm of a mixed bag. There are podcasts I like that are short and there are podcasts that I like that are long. And a couple of the ones I like that are long are not producing new episodes. And I fucking miss it, man. It's I miss one of those Dan Carlin's hardcore history. By no, the way. no, oh, okay. no. Okay. That, that's a really long one that I kind of <laughs> miss as well. I mean, literally... I think he did his World War One series, I believe, was like 18 hours of podcast. Oh, I heard total. about this guy. Yeah. 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 It, was, it was amazing, you know, and like you're just falling asleep and you're in like, <laughs> you know, you're in like 1931 and then you just wake up six hours later and you're only like two months later. You know sure. I mean? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the, the level of detail is, is really incredible. No, we have friends who did a show called Broad Street Breakdown and it was literally just them hanging out and talking for three hours. Right. And it, you know, I'm sure there are people who hear that and go, that sounds like fucking torture. And yeah. I love, I was addicted to it. I just, yeah, every time like a new people, episode came yeah. out, I was like, invested in it and uh and you know some other podcasts uh we like like i like axe to grind they get sure. long sometimes yeah they're good but lately they've been going more shorter and i kind of miss when they went a little long you know depending on the topic right but yeah i say that and i literally do a podcast called going off track because i pride myself in having long ranging spanning interviews that have little to no form so yeah so you know. okay so uh for for listeners out there me and benny we don't i don't think know each i don't think we've ever met in real life so this we is we do first. now yeah oh totally but you totally, know what totally. what is real life man it's 2023 not... i'm meeting you this is Buddy, it now that's this not the, it that's not i don't the have point. to touch you this is this is i get it this is I like have... demolition man now no Please. i get it i have lots of virtual friends that's not what i mean what i mean is i wanted to hear how you and josh met know each other other what your connection is uh yeah. just for the listening for for the listeners what's what's up with y'all 
Josh, I mean, I met just going to Philly shows, I think, right? Like, Josh, yeah. do you remember a specific instance where we met? I relate knowing you from that mid-90s, uh, going to the church, the stalag, the kill time, and seeing kind of the same bands. I think Colin yeah. was maybe the bridge between no. the two. This, so this is the story. Oh, so Benny. you know? Just, oh, you know? Yeah, I remember oh, it because it here's on the me. thing. That's awesome, dude. I'm glad I you met did. you when you were in Dilemma. You did because Deem Asm was one of my residents when I was an RA at Kane. Get and the he, fuck out of here! And he was like, "So you listen to hardcore?" And I was like, "Yeah." And then he was like, "Why don't you come with me? We're going to a show in New Brunswick." And I was like, <gasps> "New Brunswick, New Jersey? I've heard of this place." And it was like one of those like coming from Philly, right? Like, yeah, New Brunswick was like that was like the lifetime, like you know what I mean? Like that was that sure. mid '90s New Brunswick Melody Bar, like that was like holy shit, and just yeah. like Handy Street and Somerset, like all those like house shows was like legendary to us here in Philly. And I had like no concept, you know what I mean? I was like, I'd never been there. And I also didn't have very many friends in college because I was like really like focused on school for some God known, unknown reason. Right? Yeah. And you're out there. I didn't know you went to, to the beautiful Elizabeth for college either. I mean, there's not I, much, not much to do around Kane, you know? Yeah, for sure. I mean, <laughs> Unless and, you feel like hit, hitting up the route 22 in union and going crazy, you know, <laughs> a little uh, hot 22 action. Yeah, a little hot there. 22. There. Come on. It's cool. But, I've uh, been. No. I've been. So we went to we went to Manville to the Elk Lodge, oh, and okay. Deem introduced me to you. He's like, "This is my friend Benny," and I was oh, like, shit. "Yo, your boy's like in high school," and he was like, "Yeah, no, he's the man though." And I was like, <laughs> "Word." And then like we started just talking through that channel, and then wow. lo and behold, like I'd see you in Philadelphia, and then I'd see you in New Jersey, New York, and it was like, "Well, I think me and Benny are just friends now." Yeah, and that's what it Holy was. Holy shit! I don't remember the Deem connection, but that blows mm -hmm. my mind. Yep, yeah, Deem no, is no. like super, super old school friend of mine. Well, shout out to Deem Asim and his older <laughs> brother Jamil. Yeah, who were, and Spirit uh, Fall Records. Spirit Fall What's Records. Up? It was a put big... out the Bound LP. That's Dude, right. And still, standpoint. <laughs> oh you yeah, know, fuck like, that. And still, you somebody. and I. You know oh, that yeah. that was you know in hindsight the little the little label from Bridgewater that. <laughs> We used to put the covers together in his 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 yeah. uh, his dad's living room. I had to um, burn paper for that instill. Yeah, seven so did I. <laughs> so did I. I, I got just remember with some of those. One of the funniest things was Dean being like, "Yo, this is called the World in Front of Friendship Society." Oh my god! Yeah, because he was like, like, "Oh, what? you like?" Yeah, I was like, "Wait a minute!" So this is the and we were used to like stones? bold and yeah. judge, <laughs> like like these like you know like uh literally like Avengers characters is what yeah. like bands were named like then. <laughs> this name? is strike, you know. So yeah, <laughs> but yeah, no, you were one of the people in New Jersey that made me feel comforted. Oh, that's awesome! And you were one of the people that never made me feel like I was an interloper, which I always perpetually felt like, and still too to this day. Leave I, me tell yeah, you. I feel you. I people think like because of my job and how long I've been doing it and stuff that you're just someone who's like cool with that. But literally, I am still just like any new room I walk into, there's still a ball of anxiety in my stomach. It sure, doesn't matter that makes where, sense. you know, like it's, hey, it's hey, just you never hey, let that go. Hey, Benny, what's your job? This is my I play music. Oh, wow. <laughs> like what, what? What? Anything I would know? I play in a in a group called Town Liar. 
with uh-huh. Jay Shevchek. Heard of it. Heard of it. <laughs> Nick Remondelli. And he's there. Yeah, I play in Gaslight Anthem. Oh, the, wow. The rock, the rock and roll group. You know? I, look, look, I knew that. I was waiting for us to get there for the few people listening who don't know that. Because Josh just assumes, you got to understand. When Josh I thought was, most people were here because of me and Dilemma. Yeah, exactly. That was what no, we were you got to understand. You got to understand. Josh says to me, Oh, I talked to Benny about coming on. And I was like, cool. I don't know what that means. And he had to yeah, be like, Benny you know, Blanco from the Bronx. Yeah, you know, he had to be like, you know, Benny, blah, blah, blah. Gaslight yeah. Anthem. And I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, sure. All right. Cool, cool, cool. But like, he just assumed I knew, like, you were in my Rolodex. Like, I was going to be like, sure, of course, Benny. How's he been? How are the kids? Yeah. Like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. 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 It's not like be like Mike. It's not a bad. Well, and I, I'm, sure, I'm sure you understand, right? Like, if Josh knows a guy and that guy's in music, the idea that, your band, the Gaslight Anthem, is at a level where Josh just being like, yeah, I just know a guy, is like not a huge surprise, but it's more surprising than a band that like is kind of known. You know what I mean? And so like when he said it to me, like I should just fucking know what he's talking about, I was like, nah, man, that's like cool. I don't know that person. What are we talking about here? Like what's happening? But he definitely was like me and you were hanging out like a couple weeks ago or something. And I was like, nope, that's not a thing. I don't, cool. I didn't know you knew that person. That's great. This will be a great episode. Awesome. People are often surprised to find out where I spent my days and nights in my teenage years. Oh, sure. sure. I'm sure that's true. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I mean, Benny, you shaped a lot of people's lives. You do Aww. recognize that, right? Like just through booking the shows with Matt at Manville. I mean, I, I mean, went to a ton of Manville shows. Yeah. Like honestly, I, I it's honestly starting. It's like starting to occur to me now that I'm like an adult who like sure. understands like how things work and stuff, you know? The like it was so far from the intention or the narrative at the time that like I couldn't imagine, I couldn't imagine myself grown up, let alone the people that were there growing up and how they would view what we're doing. You know, I was very much in the moment. I kind of still am like, that's just kind of how I operate. I have a hard time seeing too far ahead, you know? Sure. Um, so, but I've like, I guess I've heard a lot now where people, <laughs> you know, where I've said something and, And now as an adult, also raising kids, I realize like the power and importance of a place to go and a community and an open space. And like, basically like, and I know the way I was back in those days, you know, and even now, and like, like you said, like everybody and anybody was like, you know, welcome as long as you had the right vibe, you know? Yeah, man. You're willing to help me sweep after the show. (laughs) Like, I didn't give a shit. I mean, I think about like just seeing when I was working at Vintage Vinyl, right? Or when I would do things like just end up at shows by myself. Like, you always set the tone that I didn't have to, like, and you remember, Benny, like, there weren't very many Asian people at the time. It was me and Grace and uh, Allie. That was like it. It's true. And uh, I always felt like super like just on swivel and you always made space for me and you always made me feel like, I mean, that's how I ended up becoming friends with like Fid and Matt Crawford and like all those like Uh Van Chen dudes and like, you know, like you were definitely the conduit through which I discovered a lot about myself. That's that's like you're honestly I know it sounds cheesy. You're kind of like making me well up. 
Like it's, I'm just, it, there's it, nothing it is. juicy it's, about that. There's nothing. No, juicy about it that. is. It's like beautiful because yeah. I don't know. Like you walk through life, right? Like uh, the older you get, it's just like you know, it's hard to understand. Am I doing anything here? You know what I mean? Does this actually like what's going on? And am I doing anything worthwhile in this place? I fucking have <laughs> no idea. And <laughs> as I get older, I I'm letting go of the idea that I should even know. You know, I'm like, try. I right. don't even yeah. want to know anymore. You know, like uh, I'm just here and it is what it is. But hearing stuff like that, like, like that feels important to me and it feels yes. worthwhile. You know what I mean? It feels yeah. like something that was worth the time and like really makes me feel like good, honestly. Like, I, and it's, it's nice to hear. It I is. think there has been a lack of, uh, of, prioritization of the sort of thing that Manville was, which was a smaller suburban slash middle of nowhere venue. Yeah. Uh, right now, people are really focused on, at least in a lot of areas, shows in cities. People want to focus on the, the city market. And I get that. I, as a person, even though I currently live in the bougiest suburb outside of Chicago, <laughs> I would rather live in a city. I prefer cities. And yet, I just think providing a space that is less intimidating in which a kid can go, and it doesn't have to be a kid, but someone can go and it doesn't have this air of cool. Like people feel like, oh, if I go in a city, like, am, am I going to be cool enough for this? Oh, city? yeah, yeah. Am, am I, I wearing the be... right shirt? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it's is just this like the right band shirt. Is it, is it cool enough? Even, yeah. even more importantly, bands who are not at a level yet where they can headline a venue in a city, they yes. can headline an Elks yeah, Lodge yeah, or a yeah, church yeah. basement or a fucking whatever the fuck. For and, sure. and it's a real room. And that's part of the issue is that small shows in cities, I, I know we have some punk listeners and I respect you. You know, that's my preferred style and the you know <laughs> realm of this music that we're in. But a basement in a city is not to me as cool as a room with a very small stage. If I mm. can be at a fucking Elks Lodge at a fucking VFW that has like a, like a, like a, foot and a half two foot stage and there's like 200 kids there and only 50 of them know what the fuck is going on and the rest are like the you know being exposed to something for the first time that's a good time and i you know i still want the punk house show like that's a great show too sure. but this idea that like well that's all you get you play the punk houses in the city until you're big enough for the giant venue and i just yeah. think that doesn't work for me actually i think well, and uh, i think uh, it goes even beyond that because it, it, you know the space itself when it's a local space you kind of start to feel like an ownership and if, yes and if that ownership is coming from a place of like you know, love, unity, community, like all those things yeah. that like I really believed in. And one of the reasons I got into punk and hardcore and still do today, you know, and like it, it I think like when you go into a city, you know, like it can it, it often just can never feel like your space. You know what I mean? Like you're right. always in someone else's space. And I do believe that shows and, and it's it's a shame because, you know, a lot of promoters I think it's getting less and less now. It's less and less cool. And I think it was more of like a tail off of the 60s and 70s shit. But a lot of promoters are just like fucking total cocksuckers. Yeah. Oh, I can't yeah. say that anymore. I'm sorry. I, I, <laughs> I'm not, I know that's not a cool thing to say anymore. I apologize. But um, like, like, like people who really prided themselves on being uncool, tough, sour. And this is the vibe of my profession. You know what I mean? 
but I really believe that shows have like this massive trickle down effect. You know, like when you go to a wedding, it doesn't matter where the wedding is. If the bride and groom are kicking it and having fun, that fucking wedding rules. Yeah. Everyone's dancing. Like we're in it. Like this is fun. But if something seems off, wedding sucks. Yes. You just want to get cake. You want to get the fuck out of there. It feels kind of (laughs) weird. I think shows go the same way. Like, like bands come into a space like early in the day, you spend an entire day with these people in the same room and the smaller and smaller it is, it's a tighter room and you're going to have loose conversations. You're going to have passing looks and passing graces and the, you know, and things like that. And if you do that in a nice way and actually connect with the people who are coming into your space and vice versa, the show itself is better. You know, like this isn't people aren't robots, you know what I mean? Yeah. And and I, I I believed in that then and I, I I believe in it now, you know. Like if I found out someone from Gaslight's crew was just a terror to be around for like, you know, people on stage or people at venues or, you know, someone who was working for us was just one of those, man, that person scared me. Like they'd be gone. Like mm. you can't have that shit. It's not good yeah. for the for the ship, you know? I feel that, man. Hell yeah. I think that's important. And it's, you know, anyways, we, 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 we probably should get going here on this episode, but <laughs> yeah, I'm going to be really fucking on that. some mouthpiece lyrics soon. If you guys <laughs> keep me going down this road, <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong. I, you know, if there's, if there's the thing I, I feel like I would like to remember it's mouthpiece lyrics. In fact, yeah. I, I appreciate the lyrics probably more than some of the music, but anywho, fair. Uh, that's fair. That's yeah. Fair. Uh, okay. Hey, before we jump into the whack and on track, we got to thank some people. Uh, we'll run through this as quickly as we can for folks. Uh, first off, of course, we want to thank all of our supporters on Patreon. Head on over to patreon.com backslash Cinepunks. Uh, we got a new episode of Lunch with Liam up there. We got some more <laughs> new stuff coming soon. Justin Lorke is promising that he's going to do something cool up there. So check it out. Thank you to everyone who supports us on there. Uh, we also want to thank our friends over at Lehigh Valley Apparel Creations. Josh, uh, if you wanted to print a shirt that said, uh, Pinoy Rule the World, <laughs> where would you get that printed? funny you should ask liam i would go to the good people at xlvacx.com and i would let them know my design ideas and then i would have them printed by them that's what i would do yeah chris is chris is a a a great i guess but his company is definitely great so uh uh, you know it's it's the only place you're going to get professional quality work with very fun personable punk types so check them out lehigh valley apparel creations also our friend uh aaron dalby over there at essex coffee roasters uh uh good luck to aaron and all the buds in uh bold as they bold in bain in bain god damn it it's because it's because benny you said bold that's (laughs) in my head yeah yeah Yeah. now i've got this now i've got the the record in my head going you know uh uh, yeah, anyways, uh, yo, word up to the folks in Bain playing at This Is Hardcore, you know, cool for them. Uh, but head on over to EssexCoffeeRoasters.com for the highest quality beans roasted to order. And as you head out after ordering some coffee, maybe some tea, maybe a T-shirt, put in the code CINEPUNK, C-I-N-E-P-O-N-X, for 10% off of your 
order. Uh, we also want to thank our buddy Sharky over at Mechanical Shark Media for making this episode sound great and editing all of our episodes. And, uh, you know, I, I run a little T-shirt thing called Rough Cut Fan Club. Josh, I just we, we just put up a new design. Do you remember what it is? What is the design we just put up? Did you it see is it? is the Holy Barbie Mountain T-shirt. That is incredible, <laughs> by the way. I'm glad you like it. Uh, oh, have, my God. We've already so had funny. people being mean to us about it on the Instagram because they were yeah. bummed. But you know what? I don't give a fuck. Eat my ass. So yeah, there, you there you go. go. There you go. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Check it out. Roughcutfanclub.com. Okay, that's all the thank yous. I wanted to get through them quickly so we could get to some more fun conversation. Uh, and up next, we do... Uh... Oh, shit. What is the thing we do it's next, It's like Josh? a segment. We've done it 179 times. Benny, yeah. have you any idea what the name of this next set segment is? Well, you've actually done it 178 times. Thank you. Right, Benny. 178 thank times. You. My bad. My bad. <laughs> Just I couldn't remember the name. Of the thing that I've done 178 times sure on either. Cinepunks. Man, it might be called Whack, Whack It On Track! track! <laughs> wow, that, I think that kind of worked, actually. That was good. That was really good. So, Benny, as I our guest... I you guys up there. I teed you up. You did, that was, was good, good, man. That was professional. <laughs> Profesh. So, you have the choice, Benny, as our guest. Would you like to go first? Would you like to go in the middle? Or would you like to go last? Uh, let's, let's, go, let's go middle. Okay. All right. Let me hear what I'm dealing with first. Liam, Josh, here to go, go first? first. Okay, yeah, cool, man. cool, cool. Let's start with the with the with the pink elephant in the room. I saw Barbie. I okay. took the whole fam. I took the whole fam to see Barbie. Benny, did you see it yet? I haven't. I haven't. Only I, I did have a conversation with someone yesterday who explained to me that they found it to be cinematic castration. Whoa! Wow. And I was like, oh, that's a hot take. Hot take. Wow! <laughs> wow! Well, okay. <laughs> Let me uh, let me get into it for me. So, uh, and I, you know, we haven't recorded since I saw it, right, Josh? Am mm, I crazy? Yep, it's been a minute. Yeah, okay, go on. okay, okay. So, we went to uh, see it. We basically got up as a fam, and I had plans that day to go to the Rumble in Chicago, which I'll talk about in a second here. Did I already talk about this? No, I didn't talk about this. I guess nope. I talked about it on Horror Business uh, or something. I don't remember what I talked about it. Oh, Lunch with Liam, we talked about this. Okay, We did mention it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, got the fam up. We went to a 9.05 a.m. screening. <laughs> uh, basically because I wanted to, you know I, know, I knew it wasn't a short movie, and I wanted to get it in so that I could get lunch and then head to this fest, right? And I got to say, a, a day that starts with Barbie then has a bunch of hardcore outside in Chicago and then ends with me watching the righteous gemstones with my wife before bed. It's a good fucking day, guys. It's, it's a good fucking great. day. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty awesome. Nice day. So uh, I, I want to get into this Barbie thing. I loved it. I think there are people who have, you know, relevant criticisms of it. I'm not going to say it's a perfect movie. I do see a lot of people saying, hey, I saw Barbie and it's not the feminist masterwork everyone says it is but here's the deal y'all i don't see anyone saying like i keep seeing people complaining about the discourse about barbie but the only discourse i see about barbie is like people who are complaining about the discourse about barbie you know what i mean like i don't yeah. see this overwhelming thing of people saying it's the greatest movie ever and it's definitely not the greatest movie ever it's so fun and it's so good and i think for me the thing about it that is so interesting 
is that I've had to watch a lot of Barbie shit. I don't know about other people. <laughs> Benny, I don't know what your relationship is to Barbie stuff. but yeah, so, Some dolls in the house, but I haven't seen much oh, yet, luckily. <laughs> My yeah. daughter had a Barbie phase. In fact, oh, right before this movie, she was actually kind of out of the Barbie phase oh, a little bit. Oh, you almost got out. I and know. it brought you back in. Yeah. <laughs> and so I've watched a lot of Barbie stuff. And even the ones that aren't torture are still not good, right? Like there's a <laughs> right. there's a Barbie beach house show that's a little self-aware where they all know that they're toys and they do toy shit. And that one's a little funny because it makes fun of itself a little bit. Still not very good though, right? It's still like not fun. This, is, it, is it problematic or no, just not good? The, movie, the Barbie movies can be problematic. A lot of them are innocent. They're just torturous because they're not <laughs> good. And they're animated poorly too. Like not all of them, but a lot of them are like, even the quality of the animation is bad. So I go into this Barbie thing and I had heard people say it was pretty good. And, you know, I've told Josh this Greta Gerwig doesn't miss for me. Like I like basically everything she's, she's done. good. So I was pretty excited going in, but I didn't expect it to have the level, the level, the level of critique of patriarchy that it does. And granted, a lot of people go, well, it's a really simplistic criticism of patriarchy, actually. Yeah, well, my daughter is six. How about that? <laughs> and so here's the deal. I went to go see a Barbie movie with my six-year-old daughter. And while there were jokes in it that went above her head, there's jokes in every kid's movie that go above her head, right? Like, yeah, that's how they, kids' movies they, work. And they and they know that we're taking them. They got to give us a few nibbles. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's exactly. How kid, that's how kids' movies work these days. And there are jokes. <laughs> there are jokes in it, actually, that didn't go above her head that she got, especially because we're the kind of parents that like talk to our kids about life and stuff. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, there's a running joke about how neither Barbie nor Ken have any genitalia, which yeah. conservative parents are like pearl clutching themselves about. And I'm like, your kids don't know the word genitalia. Like what, what how do you talk <laughs> yeah. to your kids? You know what I mean? Like, like, yo, you literally got a pair of balls hanging off your family <laughs> truck, you know, like what's, what's the vibe? Yeah, 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 exactly. Let's, so let's open up the dialogue here. And I gotta, I gotta say the thing about Barbie that I loved is that like, there are direct references to classic cinema in Barbie. Yeah. And I think that that's okay. fun and smart and cool. Sure. The movie it, now, I don't know that it needs to be two hours. That's the only things for me personally that I think are actually are, are a little negative is it's a little longer, I think, than it needs to be, which didn't make me dislike the movie. It just felt a little long. And I do think that towards the end, the ultimate ending, which is uh, the Rhea Perlman bit. Uh, well, I would even say after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It starts with Rhea Perlman. But like, let's call it the denouement, right? Like the final yeah. wrap up. That's beautiful. I think that's amazing. I think the conclusion of the action is fine, but it is a little like, I wouldn't say anticlimactic, but it was not the most amazing thing. And the fact where that- would you, Where would you cut the fat if you had 15 minutes to cut? I don't know. That's a good question. I think it might be the Will Ferrell bits can go. Yeah, I think the oh, Will, yeah. I think the Will Ferrell stuff is a little underbaked. It's not terrible, and I know that this is the thing to keep in mind. I want to. This is let's make this the second point that ties into this point. This is a movie that Mattel was hands on, right? They were fucking yeah. on set, right? And um, they were really had a tight leash on this thing. So the fact that it spends a lot of its time making fun of Mattel and making fun of Barbie is like. 
kind of surprising. And while I get that we should all be skeptical of corporations being self-aware because they still suck, I still think like this was always going to be a movie beholden to a corporation. It's a fucking Barbie movie. So the fact that a Barbie movie got away with this much shit, it's like to me – pretty cool like i like that like okay yeah it's fun yeah. it makes fun of itself it's I also that. genius because there's uh it's monday morning and three men in their 40s <laughs> are yeah. discussing the barbie movie you know which i believe Yo. like and know, it has so so that you know i'm sure they were willing to take some on the teeth to ensure that we have this conversation 100 <laughs> i mean here's the thing i i did very much love the movie i really enjoyed it as Josh knows, I try to take criticism seriously, so that's why I'm sounding a little more negative. Sure. But like, I fucking bought the "I'm Ken Enough" hoodie. I bought one for myself. <laughs> <laughs> my my company my company is putting out a funny mix up of uh you know Holy Mountain and Barbie. And by the way, when we put that up, that like that funny mashup, a bunch of people were like, you know, when I was watching Barbie, I was thinking it was similar to the Holy Mountain. Yeah, dude. It, it, it does so have similarities. Obvious. It has similarities. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so funny, actually. Yeah. yeah. It's like, a funny fucking movie. Like, between the referencing of Holy Mountain and 2001 A Space Odyssey, like, this movie is, like, cinematically, like, knowledgeable. Well, because Greta Gerwig is cinematically knowledgeable and she yeah. knew she could get away with it and no one would mind. And so Gos she did that. Gosling doesn't get quite enough love for being funny. He's so funny. Oh, he's dude, funny. He's so good in this movie. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's ridiculous. My only, the only criticism I have is the omission, glaring, I might add, of uh, my queen, Miss Trixie Mattel, in this movie. You just think Trixie Mattel should have been in the movie? I sh she could have been one of the Barbies in the movie. I That's understand. All I'm I understand. I understand. I will say uh, the the part, the only part of this that made me feel a little like corporate dystopia was like there's a joke in the movie about the pooping dog uh, toy. Right. So yeah. there was a Barbie toy dog Benny that pooped. Okay. They brought back the pooping dog. You can buy it in the store right now. Okay. That oh. was a little. That was a little like. Okay. All right. I see. They're trying to manipulate the market. Yeah. But you need to, to be branch out the toys. But to be bit. fair, yeah. my six-year-old saw that toy and went, "Ew, gross!" Like <laughs> the reason that joke is funny in the movie is because that's a stupid toy. She didn't right. want to own it. She wasn't like, "Oh, yeah, let's get right, that." Right, 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 right. But she is susceptible to marketing. She did want a Barbie again, which she hasn't wanted a Barbie in a long time. But I, I think part of that was motivated by the fact that this is a movie that features a lot of female characters who have their own agency and she doesn't get a lot of that. There are so many kids movies that really are boy focused and like yeah, that's, that's changed more recently, but not to the extent that like incels want you to think like, Oh, women dominate everything now. It's like, that's not really fair guys. I don't think that that's real. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I want to say, I saw this awesome TikTok where apparently this movie is also obviously very popular in China, but a lot of uh, big Chinese uh, social influence, influencers are using it as a way to like uh, create a judgment system for your boyfriend if you are a you know wow. heterosexual girl who's dating men uh if you're if your boyfriend hates the movie like you should get rid of them and i thought like oh that's kind of funny but apparently it's because the this like large kind of like men's rights community in china has been talking about this movie as like the worst thing it's like a crime this movie is like the worst Whoa. and apparently the more they complain about it the more popular the movie gets like numbers yeah, are actually going yeah. up because yeah, women yeah, want to yeah. see it because the men are talking so much shit about it and i i kind of love that actually like there's something about that that i find <laughs> valuable but you know i'll agree with people who want to say like 
well, it's not the most advanced, you know, critique of patriarchy. Like, yeah, but my daughter didn't know what the word patriarchy was before we exactly. saw the movie. And now it's she does. It's also the so. fucking Barbie movie. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of my vibe. You know, <laughs> like, this is the problem. I was like, this, this is why I'm still angry about Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. a fucking kids movie. You're an adult. Yeah. It was yeah. made for kids. Yeah. That's yeah. it. Gloss yeah. over it. Yeah. It doesn't need all this. Yeah. You're okay. It's so, a Barbie movie. So that's uh, my only big kind of movie news I need to put out there. Uh, other than I, I watched Asteroid City again and really liked it. Uh, so oh, I got it. Yeah, I just saw it for Stuck Rent. I got, yeah, I got yeah, to yeah. take it in. I, yeah, uh, yeah. So oh. uh, the only thing, uh, other thing I'm going to say is um, I went to the Rumble. If you want to hear details about the Rumble, listen to Lunch with Liam. Uh, but I'll just say I had a good time. And that band Fugitive Live is sick. They were like sort of the highlight of the fest for me. Fugitive, Big Laugh, Ozone. Mm. Dead Heat were all really great. Uh, oh, Military Gun. And then uh, and then this past weekend, uh, I went, or not even past, right? It's still, it's still like the day after. But um, I went and saw Homefront and Poison Ruin. Oh, in, you saw Homefront already? Yeah, they, they were on that Poison. They're on tour with Poison Ruin. So Fuck. I went and saw them, and it was great. It was so good. I'm definitely going to the Philly show now because yeah, they were man. so good. I got to see them again. Uh, it was funny. It was in Gary, Indiana because they were playing Wicker Park Fest here in Chicago. So they couldn't really announce a second Chicago show to like the day of. Right. So they played in Gary and I've never been to a show at Gary and it was interesting. It was an interesting time. Huh. Yeah. Uh, but uh, there were some openers that played that were all, you know, okay. Nothing like super standout, but Homefront was unbelievable. Poison Room was also good, but as you know, I'm an, uh, you know, I'm an aging dad. So I had to leave before their set was over because I was tired and I knew I was going to fall asleep in the car if I didn't it's get tough. home. It's uh, 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 and uh, anyways, uh, I got to say, if you can see Homefront on this tour, go see them. They were amazing. Like, Have I you was heard really that surprised. band, Benny? I have heard them. No. Oh, dude, you got a heater coming your way, bro. All right. Check out right. both records. They're very right. yeah. down right now. It's so good. It's like a mix of like new wave with like modern punk. Ooh. okay. Would you say that, Liam, is a correct assessment? It's like even if- even more so live because this guy, his vibe is very much like this is a punk band and you're going to sing along and I'm going to dance on stage and this is going to be like yeah. an interactive like pretty, show pretty unabashed yeah 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 and it's fun it's a lot That's of fucking fun, fun. Yeah. dude yeah, yeah that record is probably my favorite record of the year Ooh, the new right. one yeah, 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 i'm doing it yeah, i'm doing it's it it's so good it's so good benny so yeah, that's all I got. That's that's my that's my whacking on track. Not much else going on over here at Casa de Liam. Uh, Benny, you next? Do you want to go right, for it? Sure. Benny? So to be clear, we're talking about the most recent movies, concerts we've seen. Yeah, cool yeah. stuff you did, it, and and it's 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 whack and on track because in case something sucks, then that would be the whack. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, most recent as you guys brought up, I drove the whole crew down to Richmond this weekend, which was my whole family. Uh, we drove down Friday night and, you know, it was a special show because when we got asked to open for a veil, like it was a real like easy kind of like uh, are, we're going to go play the avail festival in Richmond. Yeah, <laughs> that sounds great. Like, like it's almost like an excuse just to see a veil, but not until the show is announced. Did I know that strike anywhere in Snapcase Jesus. and city of caterpillars are playing and that is you know, a crazy lineup. 
a crazy lineup. And, you know, and I'm like two weeks before the show and I'm like thinking, you know, there's a time there was a time in some point in my life where I would have said like all three of these bands were maybe my favorite band at a certain time, you know? Um, So I was so stoked for that. And then we got down there, you know, and the one thing I haven't seen Snapcase since they've like reformed and started playing Mm -hmm. again. And, you know, there's always like, I'm sure you guys have experienced this, like put on a, a record you used to love 20 years ago. And you listen, you know, it doesn't age so well. And you're yeah. like, all right, well, I, I, mean, I might put that one away for a while. And um, they played, they played this is hardcore that year, if you recall. Me and Liam were actually there, and it was less than pleasing. Right, right. Yo, yeah, their it, sound check was better than their set. They so, sound checked with only old stuff, and it was sick. And then yeah. the actual set was not that. So, you know, I was, there's always that like, oh man, I hope they're good still, you know, <laughs> like, and you know, they're like half into the first song and I'm like, yes, like I was like relieved because not only were they super tight, they really seemed to be like having a nice time with each other. And it wasn't obviously like, you know, some, some really contrived thing and it was nice. So, mm. uh, and then the avail show, I mean, was just fantastic. Like hometown show people going nuts all sorts of like people running on stage to contribute backup singers horn section ran out (laughs) when they covered this is america um so it was like such a raucous thing and i'm glad my kids had to leave before the avail set but i'm glad they got to see you know like uh kind of a thing like that you know um and then just the week it's been cool because two weeks ago I got to open for the misfits in a fucking arena. Jesus Christ. And then the weekend after that, I played with Josh on the floor of a church. Um, (laughs) and like, you know, and I thought it was cool. I made my kids like pay at the front door with cash. (laughs) I made them bring a can of food and like do the thing. I'm like, you're doing the thing. So I've had a fun like a month of like sharing kind of all aspects of music like with my family it's been like a cool summer in that way you know so Um, good so that's been a real highlight movie wise i mean i'm afraid the last two things i saw in the theater were the mario movie and the multiverse the new spider-man movie loved both of those which yeah also both great i thought mario was really entertaining and really (laughs) funny at times i loved like Fred Armisen was fucking hilarious. So good. Um, yeah, a lot of like, and then uh, I thought Spider-Man was good. I didn't like it as much as the first one. And I thought like crazy pants, crazy pants. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Jesus, like, I'm like, I'm, I'm like, I'm a little confused. I almost feel bad for my kids. I'm like, I don't know what the fuck is going on right now. I know it looks kind of cool and I'm interested and I'm invested, but like, I really don't know what's going on. I think the kid aspect, which I didn't bring Maeve to see it, even though we watched the first one because I wanted to check it out for myself. And after I saw it, I was like, oh, there's nothing in this movie I don't think is appropriate for her in some sort of moral way, but I'm not going to take her to see it because she will not understand what the fuck is going on. Yeah. That being said, it my it's like my second favorite movie of the year. Like I fucking yeah. loved it. It's pretty great. It is pretty great. Um and then outside of the kids realm, it's kind of funny, but for some reason I completely uh ignored the John Wick series. What? Um, oh really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I literally have never seen one of them. Oh, um no. you know, not necessarily my genre of choice. Fair. And fair. like 
you know, I'm not anti Keanu, anti, I just didn't do it for whatever reason. And they decided that the last Gaslight tour, we decide we're going to rip them, you know, like John Wick one through four. Sure. Fuck yeah. Is yeah. in like a, you know, a download memory stick. And those were, I, I'll say, I mean, super entertaining, obviously, visually super entertaining. I couldn't help myself in the middle of the first movie going like, like stopping myself and just being like, wait, I just watched like 1500 people get killed. <laughs> this is over a dog, a dog in a stolen car. Like, like this is some deranged Batman kind of shit where at some point I was like, you're a grown adult, go to fucking therapy and move, you know, move on with your life instead of, cause I, I have, this is one of my problems with movies like that. I think because sometimes maybe I'm like a hypersensitive person, you shoot the one guy in the head and he falls down. You know what I start thinking? How long has he had that job? <laughs> Did he want that job? Did his brother get it for him? Was it the first day he put on that suit and was like, I got to guard this fucking glass palace or whatever. I don't even know what's happening. He's got like four kids at home. Can't afford fucking soup. That's the reason, like, he has the fucking suit in the first place. Or, like, there's this, this, like, public firefight in, like, a park. And I'm like, yo, someone just took one to the knee. Like, like some asshole who's here just, like, shooting hoops. Just definitely took a bullet to the leg right now. Like, like I got to just see all the deranged activity around John Wick, which makes it, like, a little less pleasurable. By Benny, the time we Benny. got to four, <laughs> Benny, it was so like good. so fantastical, you know, that I was oh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was out of any sense of reality and like being like, oh, okay, this is just like a comic book come to life. No, you totally. know, whatever's let happening. Me, let me, let me, let me step in here because please, I made this argument about the first movie myself when it came the out. The same argument. The same argument where okay. this is a lot of fun. That's a lot of dead Russians for one dog, right? Yeah. And now, now, most people, when they heard me make this argument, yeah, all they did was say, who cares? I would kill all of Russia for one dog. Like, that was the vibe, which, wow. I, which I thought was an that's irrational. That's real Rocky Four anti-red kind of That's some real, irrational, yeah. some real irrational stuff. This opened up for me when I saw someone say that I and others were missing the point of the movie. Because we all want John Wick to be the hero, but he's not the hero. The right. point of the movie is that he thought he could escape his past, yes. but his past is too bloody and too evil for him to escape it. That mm -hmm. even though he loves his wife and there was some redemption there, that the point of the movie is that he must pay the price because he doesn't he can't, get to be happy. He doesn't get to be happy. Right. And, and that, that it, it, nobody wants that because we all like Keanu Reeves and we all think that whatever the fuck we've done, we should get forgiven for it as well. Mm -hmm. So therefore we all mm -hmm. want to picture that, you know, if John wick can have a happy life, so can we, that's not what the movie's about. The movie is no, you can't actually <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> and John wick, who is uh God, like he is an unkillable machine who we all kind of like, because we kind of like Keanu Reeves, he doesn't get to be happy either. And guess what? If he doesn't get to be happy, then fuck you, you know? And right. I don't think I don't think people like that version of what the story is. Right, because people that's like a redemption is. story. You like yeah, a redemption The whole point story. is he had his redemption, but the redemption, though it did get him out of that world, it didn't change who he is. 
Crime he said, is. fuck your redemption. Well, I, I, to me, it was like, I really was like, man, I mean, I love that dog and all, but Jesus. But it was like when, when I heard that interpretation and then I rewatched the series before I, I saw four, I was like, oh, I get it. This is a fucking tragedy. It's the same thing with like mm. Dune, right? Like uh, when, when Dune, f- f- the second one comes out and people talk about Dune who haven't read the books, they're all going to be like, pro Paul Atreides because yeah. they don't know that the whole point of the story is that it's a tragedy geez. and Paul Atreides yeah. sucks. Like they're not going <laughs> right, to know that right. they're all going to be like, right. man, I love Timothy Chalamet. This is a great movie. Yeah, and yeah, they're yeah. not going to know like, no, this is bad. This yeah, is a this bad is, thing. Yeah, actually, You're about yeah. to learn a lesson. <laughs> <laughs> well, or maybe not. Cause they're probably not, not actually going to make, I yeah. don't think they're actually going to make more dude movies. I think that's. I think it's not going to be worth it in the end for mm. them to make more of those things. Because I, I found them very entertaining. Yeah. Oh, I love that first. Movies. I'm sure yeah. it's going to be great, but I just don't know. That's two more books they got to make movies out of. But yeah. when the first book was two movies, I just don't know that they're going to make six movies in this thing. I just I don't know if that's mm. going to happen. It's a lot of well, movies. Yeah. It's a lot Timothy of movies. Chalamet, though. But I do I do agree. I like your take on John Wick, and I do think. You know, by somewhere in, you know, the middle of the second movie, when you're kind of more in a, you know, dare I say, matrixy, like all powerful, omnipotent crime syndicate is kind of the <laughs> yeah, thing you're now yeah. fighting against. You know, that makes like that makes it more like faceless and more fun to watch <laughs> it get taken down, you know, because yes, now you yes. have this like one man versus power structure. Mm. I think that was a yeah. little harder to see at first. And like I said, by four, you know, this is like man versus the world. Comic Yo, book the shit. the car like fight so over the top. Like, oh, yeah. The, the, the car fight was a moment where I thought, why is, isn't this a Marvel movie? Like, I wish shit like this was <laughs> happening in Marvel movies because this is magical. Right. What's yeah, going yeah, on right now? Yeah, it's unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. So good. So, so uh, yeah, that besides for seeing Marcel the Shell, which anybody oh, so good, awesome. I mean, bawled my eyes out, beautiful. Yeah. Um, that that was stunning, and it's such a surprise. Uh, if anybody hasn't seen that, uh, Josh, you saw it. Oh God, I was weeping bitter tears at that movie. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's I love beautiful. it. So Not expecting much. that. Jenny Slate, where did that come yeah, from? Right. I don't know. Impressed. I don't even like Jenny Slate. I'm not. I like only a know her as uh, Mona Lisa Vito from Parks and Rec. <laughs> it's kind of like my reference to Jenny Slate. So that was <laughs> Josh's. Josh's bias against Jenny Slate has never been justified to me. Uh, it's a little movie called Obvious Child. Okay, what happened? What did she do? I'm just tired of these white Brooklyn stories, man. They're weird. <laughs> They're fucking weird, man. Like, your whole friend said it just it looks like Jenny Slate and you live in Brooklyn. Yeah, yeah. Ah, that's, that's fair. I don't know. That's, that's a fair. thing, man. That's, I'm, not, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I think judging all of her work on this one movie you don't like one thing about, it might be a little unfair. I think it's, you need to okay. see more of her Speaking of redemption, it, since Marcel the Shell was so beautiful... Can yeah. you redeem Jenny Slate now? She did write I, it. I will say, of the three of us, I have seen Jenny Slate in person at Largo. How do you know oh, I haven't okay. seen Jenny okay. Slate? You're just answering for me. I assumed. Dude, I could didn't. text her right now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Betty, you could tell me anything. I'd believe it. I'd be like, oh, no shit. I, I, mean, I mean, I could say it. I'd be like, oh, I met her backstage at Coachella. I don't know. I could say <laughs> it. I don't know her, though. <laughs> Incredible. Incredible. <laughs> so what else you got for us, Benny? Is there anything I think else? that yeah, I mean that feels good. That feels good. That was good. That was good. You you did it like a pro, man. That was great. <laughs> what right. do you got, Josh? 
I saw a movie called Theater Camp. Oh, I'm excited to see oh, that. It was yeah. a game. Holy shit. First of all, this movie is told in the cinema verite style. It is um, about a camp for people that are uh, aspiring actors for young people. And um, Amy Sedaris plays the matriarch of this camp, but she falls into a coma because <laughs> she goes to a play that has flashing lights. She goes into a coma, so her son has to take care of the camp for the summer. And it is, if either of you have had to grow up with theater friends mm. while not being a theater friend, this movie is for you. Wow, I think I can relate, actually. Yeah. It's, yeah, I can relate, and it's awful. It hits all of those bits, and you're just <laughs> like, oh, Lordy, I remember that. That's fucked up. It's super fun. Um, I did have to get mouthy with a gaggle of uh, young people that were talking during the screening. Oh, tell I know. Me. Uncle Joey had to come come. What with was it. your what was your approach? I my my favorite is that just to be clear, you guys know a movie is playing, right? And like oh. that's always and then it was like a bunch so you of went teenagers. snarky. You went I snarky. did. You have to. You have yeah. to, Benny. And then they were like, oh, and like yelling and like, and like it was all this like young kid stuff. And I was like, we're working. You're here with a bunch of critics. This is not released for public yet. You know, you're an advanced screening for critics. You can't talk during this thing. And yeah. like it was, I, I felt bad because then I had to sit next to Melani, who was just like, "Oh, you just had to say something, huh? You just couldn't ignore it." It's like <laughs> I had to. We're we're doing things. Like, what do you want from me? You know what I mean? Like, I'm working. That's here. interesting that she didn't want you to say so. I've I've said something, and usually the people I'm with are like, "Oh, I'm glad you did that," because they weren't willing to do it. And my vibe is usually like, um, "Hey, yo, can you do me a favor and shut the fuck up?" Yeah, I say oh, please wow. though. So when they come at me, I'm like, well, I did say please. You know what I mean? Right. Like, you have to be like, please shut the fuck up. There's a movie playing. But outside of that, brother kept it together. You you guys both would have been proud of me because I had to I had to bring it down, but I did it respectfully. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah. And um, but the movie, hundred percent enjoyable, hundred percent advocate to go see it. It is super fun. It's a very fun summer movie without any of the tr traditional summer movie tropes. So. Love it. Imagine that. It's I mean, like, but there are also like really funny bits. Like there's a there is another camp that goes against this camp and they're like have that intercamp like Oh, well, you set. gotta have Love. the Oh my god. Camp. But yeah, that in the context of a theater camp, fucking incredible. Fucking <laughs> incredible. Holy shit. I also saw a little movie called Haunted Mansion. Ah, you guys heard about this movie? Yeah, I'm curious. Have, I'm curious. I I know it got panned, but yo, I gotta say, there is a very real emotional resonance to this movie. And it uh, deals with like concepts of losing parents and like having loss in your life and then ghosts. It was really, really good. I don't know what the haters are talking about. I'll be honest with you. I can't imagine why people would hate on this movie. It's exactly what you want. It's a big budget Disney ride. So right. if that's not fun to you, then, hey, I don't know what to tell you. Enjoy Oppenheimer. But like it's one of those <laughs> movies, like and I loved Oppenheimer, too. But this movie was just like the perfect popcorn muncher summer movie, which is also weird because it's a Halloween movie. But right. right. Now, some people just some people just don't like to have any fun. Josh, I'm you know? saying, Benny, I don't know what their deal is, man. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm definitely a fun hater, but I still thought that <laughs> I still thought that looked like a good time. And again, Maybe people's bar is too high for this shit, man. I just need it to be fun and funny yeah. enough that I don't think it's stupid. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I don't need that yeah. to be yeah. an amazing movie. That's not why you make it's a haunted, haunted mansion. mansion. It's yeah. entertain me, please. Yeah, dude. And Lakeith Stanfield is really good in it. And um, 
The the only thing is uh, Rosaria Dawson has a really crispy wig on that I'm like, come on, girl, you know, you guys got CGI crispy ghosts. Wig. Yeah, you know, the lace front was all fucked up. It was just, I'm just saying, man, I've watched enough Drag Race to know that that shit was done dirty on her. And yeah. I would like, you know, it's a crime. I'm yeah. cool with it. I'm just saying. Um, but hey, the, the hey guys, pinna- keep going. I'll be right back. Okay. The pinnacle, Benny. The mm-hmm. main thing was that I saw Beyonce this weekend. Yeah, huge, bro. I don't know if you've ever listened to Beyonce. Are you a Beyonce fan at all? Are you in the Bayhive? I mean, I'm like, I'm like, oh, she's cool, fan. Right, but right, I don't right. listen to her albums. No. Well, here's the thing that is kind of like I don't know if you're aware. I have something of a very broad musical appreciation palette. <laughs> Did you know this about me? It's a thing. Uh, to a point. To a point. Yeah. In as much as I do know all the reference points for this new record that includes a bunch of like ballroom, very queer centered, like stuff like Big Frida and a lot of the bounce stuff. And okay. like I'm very well versed in this kind of music because I appreciate it. Sure. Benny, I've, I've been to a twerk shop. I'm not afraid to admit it. I didn't oh, twerk. I, love that. I, love I, that. I mean, I watched Melani twerk, but I, I mean, I just don't have the locomotion necessary for appropriate <laughs> twerking. It, it's a physiological <laughs> thing that I'm incapable of doing. Sure. That said, my God, this woman came out and it was a double projection of her just behind her on the biggest screen I've ever seen in my entire life. It was massive. It was the craziest show I've ever seen. Benny, I have seen the Best of the Beast tour. High on <laughs> sure, edible. Sure. I have seen an airplane come out of a ceiling for Iron Maiden. I have seen all of the... I saw Kiss with makeup and pyro. I saw Motley Crue, and they set all of themselves on fire with the drum thrown going into the crowd over <laughs> everybody else. I've seen it. I've never seen anything like this in my entire life. And I can't overstate that because it's not possible. It was the wildest stage show. She had a tank. She <laughs> came out on a tank with a with like a, a stripper pole on it, and she was dancing on the pole while she was singing. And her eleven year old daughter was dancing in front of a sold out MetLife Arena. It was crazy, guys. It was nuts. You sound like you're still electric from it. Dog, I was so me and Milani are, are again pu- public knowledge. We're new to drugs, so we've just been just dabbling, dipping toes into the marijuana edible world. I was high as bullshit for this one, <laughs> and it still was just like I can't believe my eyes. You know what I mean? Like it was, it, and she sounded so good. And if you told me, "Yo, it's a three-hour concert," I'd be like, "God damn it, we have to stand the whole time." She has costume changes, so you got to sit down for like five to ten yes, minutes at a clip. Yes, dude, it was like theater insane. She came out dressed like goddamn Bumblebee with a mask, and it had antennae on it. Dude, it was the Afrofuturist Wonderland <laughs> that I spent two years playing in Solarized trying to capture. It was that. It was exactly the utopia of dance and passion and fury. And oh my God, wow. it was incredible. I'm incredibly description. I feel like I was there. Yeah. Dude, it was the wildest thing. Oh my God. Yeah, 100%. If you, if, you have the, like, if you have the maneuverability to go see this show, I assure you, the script is to hit up StubHub 
two hours before the show because them ticket prices is going down, baby. Yeah, as a uh, basketball Fair. season ticket holder, whoa! I can tell you that I know the Josh types. Dude, yeah. Who, when I drop the price of the game 30 minutes before the game and someone buys it in 10 seconds because they're waiting outside the stadium mm-hmm. for people like me to drop prices of the game. So it is a method. It does Dog, work. I've been on the a- other side of it more than more than the, <laughs> than the positive. Sure. Yeah, I'm yeah, just yeah, letting yeah. you know, man, that was the thing. That yeah. was 100% the T. That was the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. I, all awesome. I've heard is amazing things. Everyone I know who's gone has been like blown away and impressed and like just kind of like amazed at her ability to perform because it's not – You know, a lot of people, they think of her, uh, not just her, right, but of pop stars, it's a very mechanical thing. But, like, people reported that it's there's, like, improvisation. She's interacting with the crowd. One dude was saying he was at a show, and during the second song, she recognized someone in the front who was there the night before. Or, yeah, Yeah. second song, who was there the night before and, like, said hi and was like, oh, my God, I love that shirt to them. And I was like, (laughs) are you kidding me right now? Like, how how does she do this fucking thing? And it's just, to me, that level of spectacle is worth it. You know, even if, you know, not everyone loves the music, but, I, you know, I'm a big fan. But uh, for people who don't love the music, I still think the performance is pretty amazing. Yeah. I, I, I will... I don't know. I think she already did Chicago, but if she hasn't yet, I will try to grab a ticket right before and see if it works out for me. I will say now you guys all know what it's like to get vibed at a hardcore show because of the clothing that you're wearing, right? We we all know this. This is, this is the standard. I was the least sparkly person at this show. Sure. Everybody was dressed like a sparkly cowboy. There was fedoras aplenty and they all had like fringe and all this. And I wore an Elliot Smith t-shirt. Poor choice on my end. You were Poor underdressed. On my you were underdressed. Yeah, yeah, 100% underdressed. I mean, of course, Milani, my baby, looked like a goddess because she does. But I'm just saying, I could have done better. So that like was that. that's, that's a good shirt choice. Though. That's I think my that only hard, The old hardcore kid in you wanted to make some <laughs> kind of statement. It's what I woke up wearing, so it was cool. But still, it's one of those moments, you know? It's fine. It's fine. But yeah, so that's what I got. I did right. forget one amendment I got to throw in, which is... Bring it. Bring it, Benny. I was on tour, and we decided... We had an off day by, like, a mall, movie theater. I was, like... I was subjected to the new Evil Dead movie, like, a week uh, before. That's a rough and one, And yeah. I was, like, I just want to go see something fun. I want to go have some fun. I want to eat some popcorn and just fucking have some fun. So me and Kyle Rogendorf, who does drums for us sometimes, trek in the heat. We walk like a mile to a movie theater to see Fools in Paradise uh, <laughs> with Charlie Day and Adrian Brody. Had oh, sure. Cast. Yeah. How was and it? I'm like, this is perfect. Dumb comedy. Love it. It was terrible. Oh, you know, I went in, you know, wanting to laugh and it couldn't make me laugh like it more than give more you than what you wanted. Oh, it was no. it was very disappointing. I think uh, what's his face? Um, what's his name from the from the hangover and uh uh um, zach galifianakis no the asian guy um, uh ken jiang ken jiang had a major part in it and i gotta say i think his ceiling might have been minor part guy um he was not funny once charlie day decided not to speak in the movie that was his character uh he also wrote the movie um, there was a lot of like weird bit characters from Always Sunny in the movie, so I think it was like his baby. 
Um, but yeah, it was fucking terrible. Ah, uh, bad one, bad one. Put that in the whack pile, baby. Yeah, That's it. yeah. It just it just didn't hit on any level. Well, unlike that movie, mm-hmm. the topic of our conversation today is an on track movie. I think we can all agree. One hundred percent. We're talking about a movie called Anchorman. Mm. Ah, so after the break, we're going to talk Anchorman with Benny, who picked this movie for us, and we'll see you after the break. You really want to know what love is? Yeah. Yes, tell us. More than anything in the world, Ron. Well, it's really quite simple. It's kind of like... Gonna find my baby, gonna hold her tight, gonna grab some afternoon delight. My motto's always been, when it's right, it's right. Why wait until the middle of a cold, dark night? When everything's a little clearer in the light of day. And we know the night is always gonna be here anyway. Thinking of you's working up my appetite Looking forward to a little afternoon delight Rubbing sticks and stones together make the sparks ignite And the thought of loving you is getting so exciting Sky rockets in flight Afternoon delight You guys have it, I think Afternoon delight I don't know, Ron That sounds kind of crazy Sounds like you have mental problems, man. Yeah, you got mental problems, man. Yeah, it really does. Man. Afternoon Delight. And we're back. And we are here with our guest, Benny Horowitz, of the band Dilemma and <laughs> Yellboy. And uh, yeah, we're talking about a little movie that you picked, Benny, called Anchorman. <sighs> it's like it's like a, a, a warm blanket on a cool night when you even say... <laughs> When you say Anchorman. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, okay, talk about this movie, like, when did you first see it? How has it been sort of a part of your life? All that sort of stuff. I kind of can guess why you picked it, because you love it. But maybe right. a little more detail about <laughs> sure. wanting to talk about it. Well, I do think, you know, like, you know, sometimes the the time in your life when you see a movie or how you see a movie kind of sets the tone for if it's special or not for a bunch of different reasons, you know? and. Anchorman, um, I saw it the first time in a very uniquely exceptional way, which was um, a friend of mine named Sarah Nuri worked at a movie theater in Summit, New Jersey. And this was actually, <laughs> or she may not have worked there and, her, and a bunch of her friends worked there. I, I forget the exact connection. But she was connected with a group of people up in that area who were in a lot of bands. Uh, they, they were part of a record label called pinball records who put out a a lot of bands at that time um and there was a record store in summit called scotty's and then there was this movie theater and kind of a lot of the local uh punks and stuff worked at both of these places so i get uh an invitation to uh see anchorman apparently at the movie theater this is Back in the day, I'm sure it's digital now. I don't even know how it works. But, you know, they used to get reels from, you know, wherever the fuck you get reels from. I couldn't even tell you. And they had to test them before opening night, you know, just so you knew that that it would run clean. And I guess they would do these tests sometimes in a very cool fashion where they'd invite their friends. So 
I got to see Anchorman maybe two or three days before it came out at this movie theater at night in a private audience of shit, 10 people, 12 people while drinking a 40 (laughs) in, in this like empty movie theater by myself, didn't have to pay with my friends. So like, it was set up for success, just like right <laughs> from the bat, because what a fantastic way to see a movie, you know? And Hell this is, yeah. if there's anybody young listening, this is way before you could bring shit into the movie theater, especially drink. <laughs> like if you wanted to get drunk in the movies back in the day, you had to buy like a 20 ounce bottle of Coke, drink the neck and pour some fucking rum in or something. Cause that was the only way to drink. This is before the Alamo when you could get like a pitcher to your seat, you know, and like mozzarella sticks and shit. You were, I would go with my mom. We'd load up the, at CVS and load up the big bag of candy and the drinks and hide them in her giant purse and go into the movies because you weren't allowed to have shit back then. Um, yeah, it's true. So uh, I was extremely happy to be able to drink freely and enjoy myself <laughs> and watch this movie. It was, it was an exceptional way to see the movie. And honestly, I don't know what it was exactly. I do have a deep love of comedy, and I love comedy, and I love a good comedy, and I always have. And there was something about this movie from the get that just grabbed me and made me laugh my fucking ass off. And not only that, just be like invested to an almost strange degree in the characters in this film. And it was literally from the second I started watching it until now, I'm just (laughs) totally in love with this movie. Is it, is it Will Ferrell too, or just this, like, is Anchorman like the special one? Yeah, Will Ferrell's part of it. Will Ferrell's definitely part of it. I mean, I'm a big fan. And I mean, I even go, you know, give me Blades of Glory. Mm. Give me Semi Pro. Give yeah. me Talladega Nights. Give me like every deep cut Will Ferrell comedy movie. Yeah. And, and I'm I, even on, I will take it. I will take even it. Even on board with Casa de Mi Padre. That's right. A Dark Horse pick. That is all in Spanish. <laughs> I never, I've never yeah. even seen that one. Ah, oh, dude, yeah. it's incredible. It's a telenovela with Will Ferrell as like the main character, and it's all in Spanish. He speaks in Spanish the whole movie. Yeah, he's great. And even when he pivoted in like Stranger Than Fiction and got a little more, you know, dark comedy, a little more like I think he's good in those arenas. And I am, I am a general fan of just like him as a human, and you know, all the hijinks he does just sure, for fun, yeah. and just this natural, innate thing to just like kind of fuck with everything nothing is serious nothing is real but he's like a warm enough person and character the way you present itself that you can swallow it and as we were discussing before i think that's one of the genius parts of anchorman is like as i noted before that walter white tony soprano (laughs) aspect of ron burgundy which is like i should not be rooting for this guy yeah. You know, they literally introduce the film and they introduce him as a as a chauvinist, as wildly egotistical, um, you know, totally self-centered. And within 90 seconds of the film, you just want more of them <laughs> and you're just rooting for him. And that's like that's not something that's easy to convey. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like sure. I think yeah, people yeah. put comedy in a certain box but in order to like make people laugh, play a character like that, and it's not a character anyone had seen before. This no. is a created mythical character that he just made. 
you know what I mean? And then put it on screen. And in order to present that person while you're still rooting for him takes a level of skill and depth that I don't think mm. gets enough credit for it. Josh, have you been obsessed with Anchorman since it, since it came out? Were you like on the Will Ferrell train? I mean, I'm on the Will Ferrell train. I only saw Anchorman twice last night being the second time I've seen it. I've what? never seen the second one. Yeah, 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 yeah. What? I saw it when it came out, but I'm new to it in as much as I haven't. It wasn't one of the rewatches for me. I don't even so, understand what you're saying right now, but okay. Yeah, it's a true story, man. Like, I saw it, and I was like, oh, that's really good. But then I, you know, at the time, I was still, like, too obsessed with, like, K-horror and, like, all these other kinds of, like, cinematic alleyways and all this other stuff that comedy was... And I love comedy. Don't get it So I'm curious, like, after this long break, yeah, like, how did, how did it receive, like, with all this time in, in between? It's still... It aged way better than Step Brothers. I'll say that much. Right. Yeah. Um, it is a lovely, lovely movie. It is so funny. And like, dude, just the amount of star power in this movie. Yes. Oh my well, God. And that, Such and a surprise. There's, well, there's and that's a part of it, right? Ones. Like yeah. you talked about Will Farrell already. And, and this yeah. is where we have to bring up before Anchorman, Will was still sort of like an SNL, yeah. you know, bit part kind of guy. Uh, he was in Austin Powers. He was in like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Although he's in him Superstar. And, him and Zoolander is great. Well, and then and then he just rips off this run, right? In in like 03 and 04, where he goes Zoolander, Old School, Elf, and Anchorman, all uh, in almost like a year and a half. Uh, Talladega uh, Nights. And that came a year later. Yeah. Yep. So I think like in that era right there, just that run might be one of the great comedic runs of all time. You know, like he's basically cemented himself in that as 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 this era's comedic leading man did it yeah. in a year. And every one of the things we just mentioned is not only a great film, it has these iconic characters, which he was so good at doing. You know, like look at Zoolander. Status, yeah. Mugatu and Zoolander. Mugatu, Frank the Tank yes. in Old School. Ron Frank Burgundy and Anchorman. You know, like uh, Buddy the Elf. Like these Jeez. are like all these like really singular characters, not just a movie. And that's where like he carries some weight to him at that time, where it was like a really powerful acting force. Mm -hmm. And as you said, it it kind of broke. You know, at that time. To me, Paul Rudd yeah. was still kind of the guy from Clueless. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like 40-year-old virgin came out like like th those were the ones that kind of broke him into like, oh, this guy's funny. I, I had mean, no idea Paul Rudd was funny. And literally the first time you see him in Anchorman is when they're doing the, you know, the news team introduction and he's sitting on the couch with a cigarette in his mouth, just holding a pistol <laughs> for no fucking reason. <laughs> It's just like Brian Fantana. And it's like, what the fuck is Paul Rudd doing? This is insane. And then Steve Carell playing Rick say, Tamer. Yeah. He was basically still Daily Show host. Yep. You know, think about his career after this movie. Exactly. Like all the things he's gotten to do. Yeah, it broke him into a huge point. And then even smaller than that was, uh, you know, uh, Catherine Hahn. I think this yeah. was the first time it's I remember seeing her. Unbelievable. It was uh, the first Paul, time I remember seeing Seth Rogen. Paul F. Yeah. Tompkins was in this. Yeah. Uh, and this was the first time I saw these people. I remember seeing 
uh, I think, 40-year-old virgin and seeing Seth Rogen and going, oh, that's the cameraman from Anchorman. <laughs> now, you didn't see him on Freaks and Geeks? You weren't a Freaks and Geeks I didn't. I miss Freaks and Geeks. I do know the same, history same, of that. Yeah, yeah. And and that was McKay, right? Or Apatow? That Apatow. was McKay. Apatow. Oh, no, Apatow. Yeah, Apatow. yeah this was yeah, McKay. So, so yeah. I, do, I do know the history there, but I never really dug into the show too much. But, you know, so that's another, I think, tip of the cap to Anchorman is the fact that it kind of launched some gigantic careers, comedic careers, like right after this. And this has got to be like, you know, besides for married with children, I mean, can we talk about Veronica Corningstone? This is like an incredible film character and she plays it so well. She makes such good choices in that movie for presenting herself a certain way you know, even inside of Anchorman, you meet the chauvinism with breaking the glass ceiling of the newsroom. <laughs> and she just plays it perfectly where like it, it, it comes up with some of that movie chemistry where uh, a couple gets together and fights and breaks up and you're actually still rooting for both of them, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. And and that's, you again, a hard thing to pull off in a movie. Like, uh, you know, it's easy to make people cry. It's, it's not easy to make people feel good. You know, <laughs> I, uh, I, when I saw this, it's funny you said that Josh about the, it wasn't really a rewatch f- for you. It, this was like one of the, I mean, nothing was on as constant play as Zoolander. Like Zoolander was the movie that more people I knew would just like quote all the time. But Anchorman came in pretty quickly after that is like, uh, everyone I knew was rewatching it all the time. So many parts became part of our lexicon, you know, like, uh, I was sitting there watching it and I forgot when, uh, when Jack Black is like, now this is going to happen. I'm like, well, I know (laughs) fucking Jack Black. How many, how many times have I said that to someone like in that same way? Like, well, now this is going to happen. Like that, (laughs) that sort of, there were so many moments of this movie that became part of, uh, uh, like the culture of my friends. What's interesting is like, uh, you guys both seem like huge Will Ferrell people. After this moment, when he's in all these movies and he's sort of thing, I kind of just like clocked down on him. And coming back to Anchorman, I really was like, oh, you know, I love this movie. It's probably going to be a bit problematic though, because you know, two thousand four, like it just right. has to be. Yeah. And you know, Will Will Ferrell's been in a couple things here and there that I'm kind of like, I think are cringy now, and whatever. I'm sure it won't be the whatever. I was actually amazed at how much. It more than stands up for me. I was like, this movie's fucking great. Like, I just was like sold on the movie very hard. Uh, right. I, I want to come back to, to the one or two things maybe we thought were a bit regrettable. I got to say, though, sure. I'm a little bummed looking at the actual IMDb. Uh, after this movie, Christina Applegate should have had the hugest comedy I know. career. I know. And it didn't happen. And really, only recently with dead to me, do I feel like she's gotten the respect as in a like dead to me is hilarious. So like that reminds me of her performance in this, but a lot of the stuff she was in after anchorman was a letdown or it just didn't use her well or whatever. And that's a bit of a bummer. And it kind of connects to something else here. Like there are some specific things in the movie that are a little regrettable, but though nothing huge. And certainly I had more fun than anything. I will say the phenomena after anchorman that bummed me out even then, was the people who didn't get the point that you made very well, Benny, which is that um, as charming as he is, 
Ron Burgundy sucks. That's why it's funny, right? It's right. funny when he says, yeah. my apartment smells like rich, ma- or smells like uh, leather-bound books many and rich leather-bound mahogany. Books yeah, 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 yeah. It smells of rich yeah. mahogany. You're supposed yeah. to think that's stupid, right? And that's supposed to apply to the horrible insults he hurls at at uh, uh, Veronica, uh, Veronica Corningstone. Yeah. And so many dudes after this took those insults and made them their own in a yes. real sincere yes. way. Yeah. And this happens all the time where if sometimes you do art with a certain intention and idiots don't under like, the That's classic right. example that we've all had to live in the shadow of is the Fight matrix. Uh, oh yeah. Fight club's a great example. <laughs> I was yeah. going to say the matrix, right? A whole political movement has revolved itself Ugh. and it's anti-trans politics around a right. movie made by two trans women who maybe weren't, uh, out as trans women at the time, but if you pay attention to the Matrix, there's it's a lot of there. shit going on there yeah. that you should have noticed. But instead, yeah. they've made it this whole fucking weird, you know, Ugh. fascist thing. And again, also Fight Club. Although I would argue that I'm not entirely sure the movie is as on point as the book. But that's just my. Book. I think the book is a little <laughs> bit more clear. You shouldn't well, have cast. Well, but we're far removed from that. I mean, yeah, we yeah, have yeah. we have 20 year olds doing combat sports, yes. quoting Tyler yes. Durden right yes. now, trying to like, you know. <laughs> overthrow the government because they don't get it. They just don't get it. Because they don't get it. Can I say, I say, I I actually think the movie would work better if, I know this is sacrilege, if it wasn't Brad Pitt. Tyler Durden should have been someone who is too handsome. He's, yeah, no. But that's, but isn't that, that, I mean, I read that book as well and I remember the image of the the secondary Tyler Durden was supposed to be what every man kind of wanted to look like. Like, cause it was 100%, amalgamation but, in his head. And, but, you know, at the time, if you gave me Brad Pitt's stomach and chest, I get it. fight club, I would have been pleased. But I don't think Brad Pitt can sell hot, but stupid mm. when you're reading like his ah, ranting in the right. book, He's anyone who is reading dumber. it, who knows Chuck Palahniuk is going, Oh, Chuck hates this person. Like right, this person right, sucks. Right, 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 but Brad right, right. Pitt gets into the movie and he starts ranting, and you're going, "Yeah, Brad, whatever you say, buddy. Can you? Yeah, kiss you me? can't. You can't help but be charmed by. Yeah, him, give yeah. me a quick kiss, buddy. There sure. had to be an actor sure. who was as <laughs> yeah. hot who you would go, "Well, this dude's an idiot, right? right. I don't know that Brad Pitt. At what's least the, in this what's movie, the recasting? Sells. What's what's the Fight Club recasting? That if I was gonna, worked? if I was gonna, Tim Robbins. Uh, um, also uh, an anchor man. Yeah. But, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> he's not hot though. That's the problem. You you do need someone who's hot. Uh, you need you need the sex appeals. Maybe maybe I think he's too, I think he's too old now, Ooh. but uh John Ham. Oh, I think I think even watching a little clunky like even if even watching Mad Men, if you're not an idiot, you're going, this guy kind of sucks, huh? Like he's not that cool. Right. He thinks he's cool, but he's not that cool. Anyway, sorry. But I, I don't, don't know. Re- I don't want to. People re- watched a lot of that. seasons of Mad Men before they figured that out. He's pretty <laughs> fucking it's charming. True. Too. It's true. It's true. <laughs> well, and so that's this is the thing, right? Is that like we don't actually think Ron Burgundy is hot, but it's such a funny role, and he is well, so charming. And this is that part of it. one of that's one of my points is like so you're in the party scene, right? In the robe. Yeah. Yes. And part of the genius of Farrell is he's using his body to an advantage. Yes. Like like if he was jacked and shaved. This does not play. Not at all. He not knows all. he has a dad bod. He knows he looks a little crazy. He's got the weird <laughs> chest hair. And he's playing a character who's so aloof he has no idea. 
Um, you know, well, and that's one of the reasons, like, and that's so like good. less than 10 minutes into the movie. Yes. And I think that's one of the reasons why you can connect the dots there and go, okay, I kind of fucking love this guy. You know what I mean? 100%. Like for, for some reason, like, and that, and well, that him talking to the dog is weirdly vulnerable. Right. Or Baxter. Yeah. Or Baxter. Yeah. Something like that. Cause you're like, ah, oh, he's, he's silly. I love this guy, even though he's, he's, you know, living like a complete piece of trash. Well, and he's different. He's different than. The other members of the news team, except for Brick, who just right. is, you know, whatever, <laughs> they are a more menacing version yes. of this thing because they are. But then the movie makes sure to point out that both of them are that because they're so deeply insecure. Right. Because right? the they're movie, like ruined men. The yes. movie does everything it can to say, hey, these men were like this in 1974 right. because it was a scary place where they were fucking unsure of who they were. The best scene for that, obviously, is the scene where they want Ron to tell them what it's like to be in love. Right. That is, yes. That's a perfect scene. <laughs> More than anything in the world, Ron. Yeah. And then no, you're right. And he's like, Turkish delight. Oh, so I met a woman Turkish once. Afternoon delight. We afternoon made out delight. in a bathroom for hours. <laughs> Pretty sure that's I'm not pretty love. Pretty sure that's not love, Brian. <laughs> Sky rockets yeah, in flight. Oh my god! Boop. So this what is why is this. Is, so and then and then here's the other point about why I think this should be up there with like Citizen Kane, Gone sure, with the Wind. Sure, yeah, you know the the classics is the fact that like you're seamlessly brought into a period piece and you don't even know it. Mm, it is perfectly yeah, 1970s. You literally walk into the newsroom, the clothes, the vibe, everything just feels very authentically 70s. And it's perfectly shot, 30 years after, right? Like yeah, it is shot and costumed perfectly. Like, uh, like something that just doesn't get any credit because at no point are you looking at that movie going like, this is a goof of the 70s. Just, you just buy it. Yeah. You just buy it right off the bat for some reason. You're kind of whisked away into this world. And like, especially these days when nobody can write an original fucking story anymore, right? Yeah. And everything's everything a remake. IP of something else. Yeah. Exactly. The fact that you took, you made it a period piece. It's an ensemble cast that actually worked. It's uh, uh, the creation of a character that, that got put into the American narrative and is still there. Uh, you know, all these things. And and why, if a movie accomplishes that, does it not get nominated for one Oscar? <laughs> like, you know what cleaned up the year Anchorman should have been nominated? Million Dollar Baby. Like, I like Million Dollar okay, Baby. Okay, good movie. Yeah, 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 it's yeah, yeah. fine. It's it a good get movie. Heralded like the characters Anchorman are does, good. Though. But it's 9.30 at night, right? <laughs> And you're flipping through the channels. Do you want to watch Hillary Swink go into a fucking coma? Or are you going to watch Anchorman? <laughs> like, you know. No brainer. Obviously. No brainer. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I don't Clint know anyone who best. watched. I don't know anyone who rewatched Million Dollar Baby a thousand times. Like, you know. Uh, Just say does, does, does Morgan Freeman for Million Dollar Baby deserve it over <laughs> David Kitchener for Champ Kind? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just saying. It's one of the great unanswered questions of Was the Clint universe. Was Clint Eastwood Benny. actually better than Will Farrell that year? I don't think so. I definitely don't think so. You I mean, know. I'll make the case Leo DiCaprio is better in The Aviator as well. But, you know, that's a whole other <laughs> podcast. 
<laughs> so this is where, you know, people think I'm kidding a lot about this movie. And I'm not kidding. I yeah. do think it should be considered like not only a comedy classic, but like an American film classic. Um, I have a question for you guys. Sure. Go ahead. Because I was trying to think of it and I could only come up with one and I wanted to think of more. What are the famous comedy characters built out of a film who like the character themselves became bigger than the film? You know, like the Ron Burgundy can have a podcast mm. and everyone knows it's Ron Burgundy. You barely even know it's from Anchorman, right? Mm. The only yeah. one I could come up with was Fletch. Fletch is a pretty good one. Well, I would say Ron Burgundy is even more than Fletch because we forget Fletch was a very popular series of books before the movie. Right, right. And a bunch of the people who love the books, some of them hated the movie because they thought right. Chevy Chase wasn't really Fletch, that he created his own character separate from the books. So that one's a hard one, whereas Ron Burgundy didn't exist before Anchorman. So he really right. sort of creates his own life. Um, the only, only thing I could think of other than that was... Somebody who else I don't think gets enough credit from that era is Mike Myers. Mm. And does, does Wayne's World, does Austin Powers, you know, the character of Austin Powers has kind of gone bigger than the film. So I think that's one that maybe that, you that's could a, say. That's a hard one for me because I just don't find the Austin Powers movies as funny as I did then, whereas Anchorman is still great to me. Right. Um, and when it comes to Wayne's World... I've always been a Garth guy. Wayne is fine, <laughs> but Garth is really where it's at. That's you that's really. Garth. I just think that's where a lot of the best humor is, and Wayne is kind of like whatever. But uh, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I think you're right. I would. I would say, um, in a pop culture sense, you could make an argument um, for Beetlejuice. But ah, it doesn't sure. stick around anymore as much. But at the time, that Beetlejuice cartoon was kind of a phenomena. Yeah. Yeah, and a lot of yeah, people cared yeah. about Beetlejuice as a character more than the movie. Um, maybe, maybe Jack Skellington, but that's not a comedy, really. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? See, and, that's what, and if you start talking about the comedies of the last 20, 30 years, oh, the ones no, that were successful, nothing. you know, like what hangover neighbors or yeah you know films like like there's nothing like this going on you know yeah, like yeah. like when is the last time that this has ja happened and it's been done successfully you know i'm putting up jack burton from big trouble little china okay yeah he kind of grew out of that movie sure and sure uh eddie munson from um <laughs> from that fucking bowling movie what was that movie called oh you're talking about kingpin yeah all right. Yeah, because I definitely described something recently as uh, you as just a Munson. The yeah, I was like, you Munson the shit out of that thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think, the, I, think that, I think the internet complicates this because memes change what we're talking about. So like the, mm. the Ron Burgundy continuing was at a time where while there were memes of him, memes were not as culturally present. Whereas now, for example, how many 30 Rock memes live on their own when nobody's watching fucking 30 Rock. Like, right. a lot of people know of Steve Buscemi as the how do you do fellow kids guy. Yeah. They don't know that that's from 30 Rock. Like, they've never right. seen 30 Rock and they don't give a fuck. Like, they're not going to go find 30 Rock because of that meme. They just have yeah. the picture and the that's picture is true. all they need, you know? So, I, I think it's hard with Kingpin because weirdly, some of the things from Kingpin became meme shit when people hadn't actually seen the movie, which I think is right. an interesting factor. I don't, I don't know. That's a good question. I will say... I think the Anchorman sequel does not hold up. Did you watch that one, Benny? Did you see part two? Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a, you know, listen, 
<laughs> part twos are tough. Yeah. You know, I've gone through the exercise many times of the best sequels in history. And, and after you get past Godfather 2 and Terminator 2, the list gets thin. Yeah. You know, sure. it's, it's, it's not good. And <laughs> the, the way I think about Anchorman 2 is there's, there's a bunch of swings and misses in there. Mm. Not going to say that. They overdid it with the uh, newscaster fight scene. Uh, his love interest is not terrific in that, even though the family scenes are pretty fucking funny. It's no longer Christina Applegate in part two? It is not. It is not. Oh. Uh, Applegate's still in the film, but they're no longer together. Yeah. She is still a network anchor in New York, and, and Ron has turned into a... You know, he, he, he has a fall from grace while she's mm. doing well. Okay. Um, but what I'll say is, you know, compared to the contemporaries of the time, like, I can't watch Dumb and Dumberer. It's uh, too bad. Yeah, no. I can't watch Zoolander yeah. 2. It's too bad. Is They're it? like unwatchable they fucking movies, you know? Oh, uh, Zoolander 2 is a torture film. Yeah, Anchorman 2 is fucking funny. And it still nails some really, really good stuff in there and just has some swings and misses. But I am an Anchorman 2 apologist as well. <laughs> it also, in the same way... Uh, Anchorman 1 kind of breaks the glass ceiling in the newsroom. Anchorman 2 is uh, sort of a microcosm of 24-hour news and the 24-hour sure, news yeah. and cable segments. And actually, at times, that movie's getting a little more prescient to the, to the kind of shit they were talking about, the news and the way it, the direction it went at that time uh, has kind of become even a little more real. So Anchorman 2... We might be on another podcast in like five years right. talking about how deeply it impacted culture. Uh, yeah, I, guess, I mean, I think 2013, some of that stuff uh, was kind of already out there. Yeah, it was getting okay. there. Uh, let's talk about, we got to talk about the phenomena of Wake Up Ron Burgundy. Now, Josh, right. I know you didn't see this. Seen Benny, yeah. you've seen this. For people who don't know, this is a weird thing. Uh, we're, we, we're here praising Anchorman. It's worth saying. Anchorman almost didn't happen. That this is a movie yes. that yes. was edited together because a large section of this movie didn't fucking work. Uh, but in true, like in my mind, Carney style, when Anchorman became a cultural phenomenon and made all the money in the world, they took the almost a full movie worth of footage that they cut out of the original movie and they edited it together into a second movie, which it is not a second movie. It is cut scenes from the first movie and they called it Wake Up Ron Burgundy. Um, there are one or two moments in Wake Up Ron Burgundy that are unbelievably funny, yeah, just next level. Yeah. There are also scenes in it that unlike Anchorman, are bad, like actually right. bad. And yeah, yeah. I can't imagine the movie. So Josh, they cut out a whole terrorist subplot what? from Anchorman. Well, it, it goes even beyond that. Yes. So this was actually the first, this was what Anchorman was supposed to be. And they like reshot a whole yeah, lot Yeah, there it? was supposed to be a uh, like stoner hippie group of bank robbers. With Maya Rudolph. Yeah, called the Chuck Alarm D. Clock. Yeah. And, but and Chuck is, D is in this movie. Right. And I cut saw him out in like I saw a, a cutout of like them robbing a bank, and I was like, "Why is this on the DVD extras?" I had yeah. no idea what that, that was. was. The yeah, original yeah. movie, man. Whoa. So I mean, this is you know, this is like the power of uh, the DVD at the time, right? Is like well, 
I mean, this puts this movie in my mind, along with a movie like The Thing, right? Like, like, well, people loved this movie when it came out, and they didn't love The Thing. But the thing about The Thing <laughs> is that that was a movie that wasn't working, and they had mm. to, like, re-edit it, reshoot a bunch of shit, add in a bunch of stuff. And now, I, for people who I think have good taste, it's a goddamn masterpiece of heart. It's an unbelievable film. But even when they finished with the, all the re-stuff, they were like... I don't think this is going to work, guys. I don't know if this movie is a movie. And then now we all know it's amazing. With Anchorman, I wonder if they knew that they had fixed it or if they thought, fuck, this might not work. You know what I mean? Like, because they they clearly had some insight to go back and redo the shit because it's a lot. Josh, like I said, it's like it doesn't work as a movie. Like when they cut it together to do a new to be a new movie, it doesn't actually make sense. But it is enough footage to be a whole other fucking movie. I think they had to have been nervous when they put this out. Had to be, right? Had to have been. Because because of what you're talking about and the many steps they had to do to get to the final product. And for the fact that, like, nobody saw a movie like this yet. So, I, I mean, the idea that they could have done this and they thought it was funny and it absolutely tanked was probably very much in the cards. I mean, from the impression I get, I think Adam yeah. McKay and Will Farrell both really stuck their necks out to yeah. to get this done and get it done the way they wanted to. And mm -hmm. I don't think there was a lot of powerful people behind them going, oh, this is going to work, you know? Right. What, I, yeah, I Josh, so there's, a, there's a cut scene that is on the Blu-ray of Anchorman that was in Wake Up, Ron Burgundy that is this bank robbery. And it's Amy Poehler yeah, arguing with the bank teller. Yeah, yeah, she's arguing with one of the bank robbers. It is so deeply unfunny. And I'm just watching it going, why is this scene not working? Especially in a movie where even if someone doesn't love everything about Anchorman, there aren't any dead scenes, right? Like yeah. not maybe not all the jokes land for everyone, but there's not a single whole scene where you're yeah. like, this scene doesn't work. That doesn't no, exist no in this fucking ways. movie. Yeah, no and this ways. whole goddamn scene, there's not a funny, even when I realized it was Chuck D, that in all of itself is amazing. Yeah. It, the scene doesn't work. There's no part of it that's so wait, funny. So, 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 wait. you guys are telling me that there's a whole nother movie with Chuck D in it from Public Fucking Enemy. And yeah. Maya Rudolph and another guy who I recognize. But, listen, I but there's no reason to critique Wake Up Ron Burgundy because right. it wasn't the released movie. Right. You know, right. if they but wanted oh, that it's just one. a phenomenon worth bringing up that, like, exactly. I, there's a yeah. whole other cut of cut material. It's basically like a uh, special feature that they released as a separate movie to make money. And it right. did make money. Yeah. People people bought it like it was a thing wow. yeah and i mean in in 06 you threw me a double dvd with an extra <laughs> movie on it for for the same 20 bucks come on oh yeah kevin <laughs> on kevin more corgan. content that was content before i could surf for it you know yeah Ke kevin corgan is one of the bank robbers too mm. uh and there's some other people in like they like some of their biggest stars they cut out of the movie it's unbelievable to me but that's just what happened and like that again that doesn't make anchorman bad or anything like that it's just evidence that like making a movie is more than just making a movie sometimes you basically finish a movie and go yeah. fuck this doesn't work we gotta try again and like you said i mean like when i think of it i think of albums you know where it's like you can sit there you have to make a decision at some point right mm. and that decision is based on taste and 
you know, the idea that like some things make it in, but sometimes you have to let good things go to make the whole thing work. Yes. And I think that's one of the great skills of uh, a musician or any kind of creative person is knowing, knowing when to let it go, knowing when to let your own like ego go to, to make something work. And I'm sure there was a lot of funny stuff in that film and they had to let it go. You know, they had yeah. to be like, Hey, this isn't it. This is the one we want to make. And that's, that's a tough thing to do. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So if anyone out there is an anchorman completist, but missed the wake up Ron Burgundy, it's not, you know, it's not the worst thing ever. And if you think of it as just cut scenes, it's fun. I will say back in 2000, I think it actually came out the same year. I was like, Oh shit, look at this. They made a like a crazy sequel because I didn't know the story and I was a I was a bit bummed renting it at the time but now <laughs> right, going right, back right, to those right. scenes I'm like ah, it's fun this is fun that this exists but in the moment I was like what the fuck is this yeah but go ahead I'd say everyone go ahead and watch Anchorman 2 just you know just keep your expectations at a reasonable point <laughs> you know the, the, the only scene that I in Anchorman 2 that still makes me laugh a little bit is when they go to the lighthouse where he oh lives and he keeps God. yelling I'm blind so and funny. everything that he keeps saying he's like he keeps saying he he's blind he nurses a shark has, back to hell <laughs> and it has nothing song about it nothing he's saying like at one point Josh yeah. he says he was jerking off his shit because he thought it was his dick yeah and they're like doesn't wait, this wait, feel wait, like wait. a cock? Jesus. <laughs> that, that part was kind of funny. Yeah. It's very funny. <laughs> All right. Hey. So have, have I convinced you two that Anchorman is a cinema classic? Top 10 all time? You definitely move the chains for me. I, I'm, I'm, I'm saying then maybe we're not better might, than Citizen Kane yet, but I might put it in a top 20. It's possible. There we like, go. That's a thing. There we go. I mean, Make I will, it I will this say is this. This is how the Beach Boys pet no, sounds totally. became yes, number one. Yes. yes. Someone I, had I, to get it there. I do want to say, I do think that like <laughs> it's, it's comedy doesn't get the respect among yes. the more artsy folks in in the cinema world that it deserves and this is something me and josh have talked about now to be fair i do think there are some comedies that like hit in the moment and you return to and you go oh sure. shit this this doesn't land sure. but you know anchorman it's been almost 20 years right yeah. so if, the, if there was a time for it to fail it's right now that shit still hits man there's oh, a there's like there's a regrettable hard R, you know, there's that, that's, yeah. that's a little sad. There's, there's a, you know, I think the champ thing is a little iffy. Mm -hmm. Otherwise the movie sings. And if you, and if you're smart enough to get that, these dudes, the news team are funny assholes, then you're going to understand that like they're gross. And that, uh, you know, uh, even though she makes some bad decisions, our girl Veronica is actually the hero of the movie. Then like, yeah, it's great. It's fucking great. It's that's hilarious. It. I love that's it. it. I grew up with people having fucking Tony Montana posters all over their room. <laughs> You're going to tell me Ron Burgundy's a problem. You know? Exactly. Let exactly. it go. Exactly. <laughs> I think it's beautiful. And I got to, I got to say like, that was a joy to realize watching this with my wife, who by the way, also was obsessed with this movie when she was younger and rewatched yeah. it many times. And I got to say, so my, fun. my wife is, is like, she's like the horror one. Sure. She wants yeah, yeah, horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She wants drama. She wants, like all the shit that I don't want at 10 o'clock at night. And even her, I listened to her just fucking giggle for, for an hour and a half last night. It's hard to get my wife to giggle for an hour and a half. So it's, it's, it's an impressive film. It even moves her, you know? Uh, so well, good. thank you Yo, for bringing this back to us. Benny. Thank this you is, so uh, much for coming on. I'm so happy. Good. This was fun. This was is, fun. Is this there, is, 
tell people about for for the few people listening who don't know about the new band. Talk about it. Tell them the band camp, all that shit. Yeah, well, Town Liars, the name of the band. I started with uh, Jay Shevchek, who is you know the singer from Kid Dynamite and None More Black and Bound and a lot of great and bands. Also. And he- the first guest ever on Cinepunks. No, See, was, he, was he actually the first? You said that last time, and it's I thought it's full true. I thought, I thought Dan Tabor was the first nope. guest. Shevchek was the first because we so, had to figure out how to do the recording. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so forgot. doing that with him and uh, old friend Nick Remindelli, who was also in Bound and Autumn, and Heath, who was in uh, Midtown and Senses Fail playing bass. And it's just a yeah, it's a blast to do. I have um. A lot of stuff with Gaslight this summer. I have a tour in September to October, and the record comes out in October. So nice. I'm excited that the songs are starting to trickle out because, you know, they've been done for me for many, many months. And I get it. I'm already bored of it <laughs> and want to make a new record, and it's not even out yet. So, um, you know, dealing with that whole thing. But exciting stuff and everything I'm getting to do right now is a real fucking treat for sure. Um, and then I have the Going Off Track podcast where awesome. I interview different, you know, uh, musicians and sometimes other types of creative types, road types and stuff. And then another uh, podcast called The Tune Up, where weekly I do a, just kind of a deep dive into sports and pop culture, uh, particularly the uh, NBA and baseball, because I'm a nut job about those. Um, wow. So, yeah, keeping myself busy and raising my, my seeds. <laughs> I like it. to I like to uh, plant trees in my yard and stay outside as much as I can and nice. yeah man trying to uh enjoy the earth before it melts me away you know? <laughs> yeah seriously <laughs> oh Jesus well thank you so much for coming on thanks to everyone for listening if anyone out there is a new listener check out cinepunks.com c-i-n-e-p-o-n-x where there's not only this show but a a whole family a whole family of shows and there's shirts you can buy shirts there's uh reviews of movies and stuff uh merchandising merchandising merchandise (laughs) uh cinepunks the (laughs) flamethrower cinepunks the lunchbox (laughs) speaking of merchandise check out roughcutfanclub.com of course and you know tell people about the show you know like we're always hoping to uh get more people interested in what we're doing uh so and you know all that other stuff like review subscribe all those all those uh podcasty things but benny thanks for being awesome and coming on and and i'm glad we now virtually know each other yeah Uh, no it's a pleasure thanks for having me i enjoyed it hopefully you'll come back again benny one day anchorman (laughs) too oh man okay i'll do it i'll do it (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you later. Smoke Bomb. Do you like spooky movies? Hair-raising tales. Insightful criticism. Judgmental hot takes. Then you're going to love Horror Business, the horror podcast on the Cinepunks Podcast Network dedicated to all things weird and spooky. My name is Leo Don. And I'm Justin Lohr. And every episode, we're going to tear apart your favorite and not-so-favorite horror movies to get to the bottom of what makes these movies great or maybe not great. Whether it's The Beyond, Prince of Darkness, or Inseminoid, we dive in on a double feature every episode, and then we talk about it. Some of our insights are great, and sometimes we just complain. So if we have to suffer through it, so do you. Horror Business, available anywhere you find fine podcast products.